What's up, Daw Nation? My name is Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 8 of Behind the Daw. Now, what is Behind the Daw? If this is the first time that you're listening, Behind the Daw is a podcast where I interview music producers, artists, music industry experts, people of that nature on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic basis so I can get inside their heads, gather that best information, and then bring it back to you so it can help you on your musical journey. And it's free. It's freaking free. You don't have to pay one cent for it, and it will always be free. You know what else is free? Our companion YouTube series, In The Daw, where we invite artists to come and dissect their songs in real time. We've had people like Mode Step, Fox Stevenson, AU5, Quick, Said The Sky, and a slew of other people. Um, you can find that on YouTube, as well as you can listen to the audio versions of it here in the podcast. Those are the .5 episodes. So I'd highly encourage you to check that out. Before we get started, I got three links in the description that I'd highly encourage you to check out. First link is a link to the Patreon. Now I said that this was free, and it is free. Behind the Dawn in the Daw will always be free, but if you wanna help sustain that, if you wanna help, if you wanna make sure that these things never go out of business, that we can keep doing this indefinitely for the rest of our lives, you can contribute to the Patreon. It is $1 a month, literally $1 a month. It's a 13th of the price of Netflix. It's an eighth of the price of Hulu. And I don't even know if those are the correct prices. I just, that's the last time I looked it was those anyways doesn't matter so but it's super cheap and plus you get access to a private community on discord where i'm constantly sharing tips tricks the newest things in the music industry plus exclusive content so if you want to do that to help us out please check that out also there's five dollar options fifteen dollar options you know twenty five dollar options and each one yields more and more rewards for the people that contribute to the show so thank you so much for our current patrons that we have we literally love you i can't express my gratitude like literally thank you so much guys so the second link that we have is for artist suggestions if you want to suggest someone to come on the show for us to interview whether for in the da or behind the da there is a link down in the description go ahead and click on that it'll take you to our da bot and you can tell him everything that you want and he will transfer that information over to us and then finally the link that has been a very hot topic amongst our listeners is the private lessons link if you want private lessons in electronic music production or in social media marketing go ahead and click on that link it'll set you up it'll send you over to the website so that we can get those lessons for you and keep helping you progress as a producer, as a musician, as an artist. So with all of that out of the way, who's the special guest? His name is White Light. We went to Icon Collective together. This guy is a genius, especially when it comes to the business side, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Here's a couple things that you're going to be learning today. The first thing is what I kind of already mentioned is we're going to be talking about business. What about business? We're going to be talking about looking at music through the eyes of business. Now, of course, we're supposed to look at music through the eyes of artistry, of passion. That is absolutely essential. But the reality is, if you are going to make this a living, you have to look at it through business. That's that's it. If you want to make art for the sake of making art, don't worry about business. Literally do whatever you want. But if you want to make this a living, if you want to make this full time so that you can do this all the time, you have to look at it through business. It's inevitable. And it doesn't have to be a painful experience. It can actually be a very fun experience. It can actually enhance the artistic vision if you do it correctly. So we're going to be talking about that. Second thing we're going to be talking about is what makes someone flaky? We all have that flaky friend or that flaky uh, family member. It's not fun to be around them. You can't trust them. If you can't trust them with their word, what can you trust them with? So what makes someone flaky? And how can you prevent yourself from being flaky? And how can you make up for the times that you have been flaky? That's good to know. This is very important, especially, you know, around this episode, we're going to be talking about business and what 
Uh, it means to be flaky in a business sense. And so we're going to talk about how to avoid that because you, you don't want to get caught up in that. At the time of recording this, we're only seven episodes in. I've already encountered so many flaky people. So we're going to talk about that and how to avoid that. Third thing we're going to talk about is why it's okay to have a team when creating a business and especially in music. You know, we give the music industry a really hard time whenever they come in and they're like, hey man, I can't believe you have this person doing this thing for your team, so on and so forth. And a lot of people give musicians, producers a really hard time for doing that. Man, what? Are you serious? Look at any other business in the entire world and they have a team. To have a business that's one man and to have that business be extremely successful that's not the norm. That's the exception. The norm is that someone has a team, especially, you know, every artist that I've interviewed on the show and even the artists that I haven't interviewed on the show that I just know of, they all have teams. You have to have a team. And we'll talk about that, how to find a proper team and how to find a team that will not only help you, but synergistically help you to help you exponentially, you know, compounding the efforts that you put in to your business. So don't worry, we'll get into that. So with all that out of the way, if you like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you are listening on, whether that's SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, Deezer, you know, wherever you're listening to this, it doesn't matter. Whatever is appropriate, please do that to let us know that what we're doing is legitimate, that we are helping you along your journey so that we just know. We just want to make this the best possible podcast for you, for your particular needs. And so with all that out of the way, without further ado, I want to introduce you to White Light. I just want to welcome everyone to episode eight of Behind the Daw. Today we have White Light. He's a really good friend of mine. He's a co-student at Icon Collective, and we'll hear just a little bit more about him in just a minute. I also want to welcome my co-host for today, Maxim. Dude, I can't say your last name. You're going to have to say your last name. Poirier. It means pear tree in French, actually. So you can just call me Maxim Pear Tree from now Okay. On. We have Maxim Pear Tree, who is also co-student at Icon Collective, and so it's really good to have him here. And he goes by, for sure you're going by uh, Feist now? Yeah. Cool. He's going by Feist. He's a very talented producer down in Panama. So thank you so much for being here, man. Brandon, yeah. you, are, you are the man of the hour. We're so excited to have you here. You know, you and I, we've been meeting about once every other week or once a week. We're here for a couple months now. And I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful to have you come on. I think you're, you're a great candidate for this kind of podcast. So first off, for those who don't know you, tell us more about you, you know, in any fashion that you want to, anything that you're comfortable with. All right. I mean, it's a tricky question. Thank you for having me on this. I really appreciate it. Um, my name is Brandon. I'm a 20-year-old music producer, DJ, based out of Calgary in Canada. I've been producing music since I was about 16. And I've been DJing since I was 13. Right now, I currently study at Icon Collective in LA. I do it all from home. And at the same time, I'm able to run two successful businesses at my young age. And I love everything I do. What are your two businesses that you run, for those who don't know? My first business, I started when I was 13, and that was my mobile DJ business. I'll go into details about that a little bit later. And then my second business, 
is is actually a clothing line startup, which is somewhat correlated to my music, but it's almost like a separate separate brand of clothing where I can grow it as my music grows, the clothing business grows, and it's just something I'm extremely passionate about as well. And I, I can testify, I've seen some of the videos. By the way, if you haven't seen any of his videos, please go check them out. Not only are they extremely high in quality, but more often than not, they're hilarious. Appreciate it, <laughs> absolutely. But in your videos, you 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 wear your clothing. It looks clean. It looks nice. It looks high quality. And so I highly encourage anyone to go check that out. What was your first inspiration to kind of get you started in music at such an, a young age and whatnot? Was it just like yeah. old Tomorrowland, Ultra? No, man, it was it was totally different. So I, I didn't even know what a DJ was until I was about 13 years old. Like I was playing sports all up until then. And one day I walked into Future Shop or like our local, whatever, electronics store. Man, I miss and I saw this pair of deck. These are sweet. It was like a new mark IDJ3. Like it was like the worst thing. It was run on virtual DJ. It had like an iPod hookup, like the old school one where it had like the big adapter. So you could play like two things off your laptop and one iPod, which made no sense at all. And I like had $300 at the time and I decided to buy it just spontaneously because I like loved it so much. And I started DJing. I like brought it home. I got my dad's speakers in the garage and I just started like playing around and I really fell in love with it. Um, I started playing like old school Deadmau5, Tiesto, Afrojack, like Nicky Romero, all the good guys. And then I started watching YouTube videos and I saw like how big these DJs were. And I was like, I want to do that. And then I went to a middle school dance when I was super, super young, like 13. I saw a DJ playing and the school dance was like the worst experience of my entire life. I was like, I do this at home. Like I'm totally going to do this. And so I talked to one of my teachers and I was like, okay, how much did that guy get paid? And like, how can I do this? She's like, we paid him $500 for two hours to DJ. And I was like, you paid him $500 to do that bad of a job. And like, yeah. So by the time I turned 14, I was like, okay, I'm going to get my stuff together. I started looking into more details. And at the same time, I was like DJing. I was just like practicing, practicing. And I was like, I'm just an entrepreneur at heart. So I went down to the registry's office. I registered a business. I got like all the paperwork done. I like took out a loan from my dad. I started buying equipment, like speakers and stuff. And I started booking my shows through like Craigslist and all this when I was like 14. I was getting paid pretty decent money at not at the start. Like I would make like 200 bucks a gig or whatever. Just like go and show up and play for like a really crappy birthday party. And then that I just kept playing and playing and I DJed and I just loved it. And I like kept looking more into music and it just grew all the way from I was like 14 up until I was like 16. I was doing like all these gigs. Didn't have to work because I was like making really good money. And I'd take that money and I'd reinvest it back into the business. So I just buy more gear, bigger speakers, bigger subs, more lighting, all this. And then by the time I was 16, I realized, okay, Afrojack and Nicky Romero and all these guys, they're not DJs, they're producers. And then they DJ when they perform. So I realized if I want to actually do that, I have to start producing. So I got enough money from a gig one time and I bought Logic Pro 9, like the old school one. Still have it on one of my laptops. And then started playing around with that. I bought Nexus, which was a lot of money at the time. I think Nexus, if you buy it with like a few expansion packs, was like 1200 bucks. Yeah, started playing around with that. Was still DJing at the same time, making decent money. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And it business got like really, really big to the point where my business, I mean, when I was like 17, 18, it was like one of the biggest in the provinces. It was it was really, really big. And I definitely dreamed about it. Like I used to draw out like how I wanted my designs to be and like how I wanted my decks all look. And by the time I was like 17, I had all of it just from like three years of hard work and DJing, lots of gigs. And yeah, and then now a few years later, I'm more into music production. Back to the original question, that's kind of how I got into it and how it kind of sparked my inspo. That's awesome. So you, you bring up a really 
interesting concept. And that's that, um, you know, most people think that in order for you to be a true musician and to stay true to the art, basically, all you can do is music, period. And but, you know, you, you and I have talked and, and, and I know that you you have a passion for business, as do I and as do Maxim. Um, that's why I feel like Maxim is a really good candidate to come on here and be a co-host, because all of us, we're we're businessmen. You know what I mean? We're art, we're artists and we're businessmen. And that's that's a, that's cool. They're like, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, do you have to be that? No. But but I love that you, you know, you're you, you have your music to basically let that side out of you, that 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 calling out that you have inside of you. But then you're like, you know what, just the business side of me. What if I made a business that could simultaneously promote my music and and provide a little extra on the side, you know what I mean? Or, or a lot on the side, depending on the type of business. So uh, to me, that's genius. It's absolutely genius. And I would encourage anyone to look into it. What are some of the challenges that you've come across with doing that? I mean, is it has it been a struggle of time management where you just want to put more into one or the other? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I honestly, there wasn't too many struggles. I really found it quite easy because I personally believe if you love to do something, you'll just figure it out regardless. Like I never felt like I would work a day in my life when I was that young, like I would never take anything back. I mean, some of the struggles I had would be like playing certain gigs that just weren't maybe under my roster. And the older I get, the realize like some, or the, I realize more how I have to say no a lot more. So if I'm playing a gig and they're like, oh, I want you to play like a wedding or whatever. And they'll be like, okay, I'll pay you 1200 bucks to show up and do a wedding. And I'm like, mm, is that really like underneath who I am right now? Like, am I a DJ now or am I more of an artist? And I have to, I almost have to put the back burner on my business and kind of focus more in a different direction. But when I was a lot younger, there were some gigs that definitely were, it was a struggle to play, especially based on the crowd. So if it was like 50, like 50 year olds, 60 year olds, like I'd be playing old school music and sometimes like I really wouldn't want to be doing that. And it just wasn't, wasn't my gig. But I, I realized the more gigs you have under your belt, I'm, I know how to DJ now. Like I truly know how to DJ. I can read a crowd. But yeah, other than that, I don't think there was a lot of, a lot of challenges, more challenges now. I believe like personally starting a business for me is really easy. Like it, it's just steps in a business. There's just like things you have to do to get to a different place. And you just, you know where you're going as an artist, you have no idea where you're going. There's no structure in music. Like you can't just sit in the studio and be like, Hey, I'm going to pump out like a top 40 track just like that. Like you have no idea when that's going to happen. And it's like, you're almost reaching in thin air to pull something out. I mean, that people will have different opinions about that, but personally for a business, like even for my clothing line, it's like, okay, I have to talk to this manufacturer. I have to order this amount of product. I have to get this amount of money and it's very logical. So even I believe there's a lot more challenges now than, than there has been. And it just, it's getting, getting a lot more steep as you, as you get more into the artist field. I actually got something to say about that. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I feel like an art as an artist, yeah. Like some days you, you do feel like you, you know, creative and whatnot. And then other days you're just not, but as an exactly. artist, if you have your own business and whatnot, you can set up whenever you wake up, let's say you're creative one day, you can just sit down in the studio, work on music whenever you feel drain on creativity, then you could go and then like work on your clothing line. Like you were saying, you're a hundred percent, man, a hundred percent. And that's exactly. And that's, that's the whole reason I started my clothing more. So now that I'm into like music production and the whole artist side, there is a lot of expenses and it is, it is very hard to get started in it. And I realized unless you're working a nine to five job, which, which I do and which I've done, that's you either do that or you start something. And I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like, okay, how can I build something that's artist related that somewhat my fault 
following can connect to and there can still be an impact, but I don't have to go and I don't have to work a nine to five job. So there's, there's ways to monetize. And if you can figure that out so you can monetize in something you're passionate about at the same time, free up your time to be creative, then honestly, I, I believe truly that's, that's happiness. And because yeah, it's, it's hard. It's be, it's extremely hard to be an artist. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that a lot of people, what they, the, the point that they miss is that, you know, like these big artists like Tiesto and Afrojack, like you were saying before, it's mm-hmm. a company, you know, they're the CEO of a company. It's not just like some guy on the back of his computer making music, you know, he's got this huge team in back of him. And there's definitely like other people who are a lot like, you know, better at production and songwriting and whatnot, but it's just because they were very smart business wise and it made some very good business. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, right now, like, yeah, being a music producer and for both of you guys, you're, you're both business owners. You are the CEO of your business. And if you treat it that way, then anytime you're not creative, like that's not 100% of your time. The other 90% of your time can be sending emails, getting logos drafted, um, designing an EPK, like working on certain things that are all business related. And then at the end of the day, you know, you're still being productive and you're still working towards that end goal of yeah, getting to where you want to go as an artist. Absolutely. No, that completely makes sense. I have, a, I have two things I want to say. The first thing I want to say is uh, I was listening to one of Sam Matla's uh, EDM podcast uh, episodes and in it, uh, he was talking about this where it's like, you should have something on the side that you're doing that relates back to, you know, your brand or your business or whatever, because the people who spend 12 hours a day in the studio just creating music or 10, 10 hours or eight hours or whatever it is, they're the exception. They're not the rule. Most people can't do that, whether it's time constraints or whether it's just like mentally you can't do that. What he su- suggested, like he's, he's done some studies and everything on it. And basically what he suggested was he looked at violin players, like major violin players. Basically the study states that they can only practice for four hours a day before anything after that is just crap. You know, and so basically, he's like, "What I suggest to you is that you produce for four hours a day at a max. If after those four hours you notice that you can keep going, so be it. But if you're practicing the right way, practicing the right way. So I guess in our terms, it would be producing the right way. If you're producing the right way after four hours, you should be mentally destroyed. Exactly. You know, I was listening to Tim Ferriss, and there was also a similar concept. I personally believe in the two-hour rule. Every single day, you have about a two-hour window where you can truly be creative. Pump. Like how many? times, and I'm sure both of you have done this, you sit down in the studio, you get going on like a track, or whatever, you've got some really good vocals and you bang it out. Like you bang out a decent concept in two hours. Right. And you that's like, and you stick with that idea for the entire time. I believe if you can do that every single day, and also it takes a lot of pressure off your back too. Cause if you know, you hear these people, they're like, Oh, I just spent 12 hours in the studio. Well, what were you doing for like seven hours? <laughs> like seven just like back. working on a kick that would really kill my vibe. That would drain me. So if you can give yourself two hours a day, I mean, maybe not even a day. Maybe like you give yourself two hours every second day just to sit down in the studio. That's enough time. Like put on a timer or whatever, jump in there, start working on something. You'll just like feel a lot more. Plus also we're human. So sitting behind a computer is definitely not normal. I believe you actually have to go outside, maybe like go to the gym, maybe do something, go connect with people, go do something completely different. What you said about going out as well. Like, yeah, that's like super important. 
important, you know, especially for songwriting, you know, because I'm going through songwriting right now. Like that's my main focus. Songwriting is just stories. And how can you write about a story mm. if you're just sitting in front of your computer like 24-7, you know, you have to go out, exactly. you have to make mistakes, you have to have stories to tell. I 100% agree. And it, the, all the best songs are written about stories that like where, you know, people can connect with and yeah, sitting in a dark room behind a computer, you'll never create those kind of stories unless someone writes for you. <laughs> you, you can you can probably write like two or three songs that people can relate to if you're, you know, sitting in your room, but that's about it. You know? Exactly. And they're typically very depressing. <laughs> exactly. Unless you go like, do you guys know who Bass Hunter is? Unless you go Bass Hunter. So I highly, Max, I can see that you said no, but I highly encourage you to check out Bass Hunter. So he had a song called Now You're Gone and he had a song called Dota. Anyways, so he has like three or four songs that he came out with within like the 2005, 2006, 2007 area. And every single one of them is about a video game and how he loves that video game so much. But yeah, dude, that's what Now You're Gone is about. It's about his character in the video game dying. But I loved Now You're Gone. Like I thought it was super emotional. I thought, oh, I don't know about super emotional, but I liked it back in high school and everything. And then later on when I found that out, I was like, holy crap, that's about a video game? And same with Dota. What I'm trying to get across is, is that like, look at those songs, right? And and you're a perfect example of this, Brandon, because you literally just found out those songs were good until you found out what they were about. And then you're like, oh, that's like the quality's still there, but it's kind of lame. And it applies to, you know, like, let's say that you get super creative, you know, you're in your house all day, but you get super creative and you basically tell this amazing love story, but all of a sudden people find out it's between your headphones and your microphone. That's the love story. You know what I mean? And they're like, eh. It's just not authentic, right? Exactly. It's like, I don't know. It's like too synthesized, too fake, too, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't resonate with you anymore. I mean, anyway, circling back, I had one more point that I wanted to to point out uh, on the business side. Me and Max were talking about this the other night. Uh, he asked me my opinion on ghost production and, and everything like that. And so he asked me, he's like, what do, what do you feel like that? Or like having a team of people that help you do that. And I told him, I was like, if you look at any other business in the entire world outside of music, they have a team and no one gives two craps, right? You're not going to walk into a major corporation. You're not going to walk into Coca-Cola and see one guy there doing everything. That makes no sense whatsoever. But then we look at music and expect that one person to do everything. We expect him to do social media and to write all the songs and to do all this kind of stuff. And we freak out when he doesn't do every single little bit. You know, we freak out when he didn't himself build his PC that he's creating the songs off. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it's insane. And so my my thing is that like, when you get to that level, you are a business. You, a, you are a force of nature at that point and you don't have unlimited time. Most of these people, they have families. Most of these people, they have a health conditions. Most of these people, they have things that they have to do. And so my, this is my rule of thumb with ghost production or songwriting or help with songwriting or whatever. At that point, it's a very gray area. And I think it d- depends on the person. You know, if, if, uh, if the person is just a face, then by all means, let everyone write their songs for him. But if the person has a love for music and then is allowing other people to write that music, to me, that doesn't make sense. That to me, that's going against the, the artistic side. You know what I mean? But at that point, I, I mean, I mean what, what's your thoughts on this, Brandon? Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. It's such a, it's a very like touchy subject, I think for a lot of people. And it was interesting. I don't know if you guys watched it. There was an Icon interview with Gareth Emery and he talked about this a little bit. If you guys would go watch it, I think it's on the Hexagon or whatever. But basically what he talks about is he's really good at writing melodies. And that's kind of all he said, but he's like, I am a business owner. I'm Gareth Emery. I mean, I've 
I've been producing songs for a long time. He's like, I love melodies and I love vocals. And so basically what he does is he'll write the melodies and he's like, there's just other people that are really good at mixing. There's other people that are really good at mastering. There's other people that are really good at developing tracks. And he's, and I believe like when you get to that level, as long as you're still having, like, and I'm thinking way down the road, like if you've got a family and you're just really good at that stuff and that's what, that's what like fuels you is writing melodies, by all means, you should be doing that. You should be keeping to that. And then, you know, hire someone that's better at writing like more production side that's cool. As long as you're authentic about it. If if you lie to the people and you lie to your following, then I think that's when then that's when it gets a little bit a little bit rough. And I, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in lying. Like there's got to be a lot more truth in the industry. And I think I, that's yeah. That's basically my opinion yeah. on it. At one point, like you kind of have to just you know stop caring about what other people think as well. And I mean, I don't think you're lying to anybody until you're lying to yourself. You know what I mean? Mm. So you know if if you're having other people write your songs for you then you know it, unless like then why are you in the, in the game anymore right unless yeah just, you're more of like a poster face right yeah. exactly but i mean the, the, i guess the difference why like like you were saying why before like you know why like does coca-cola white like people don't expect coca-cola to be like one person but then a music artist to be they, they do expect a music artist to be one person because coca-cola is like it's just an image right but like <laughs> For example, like if you look at Tiesto or Martin Garrix or whatever, it's one person. People connect that as just like the person. So that's, so they, they, and most people don't even, they don't understand that, you know, being an artist is, you know, a business. They, they just think that the, that these people are just like sitting in back of their computer, you know, in front of a piano or a guitar or whatever, and um, that they're just writing songs all day and most of the time on drugs doing it and whatnot. That's the, that's what everybody thinks people do. Like that's like all of my family, well, not all of my family, but a lot of my family, they think that, you know, like, oh, okay, Max is, you know, into EDM or whatever. He's probably like popping Molly every day and, you know, just in back of his computer not doing anything in like his parents' basement and whatnot. And it's like, but it's not that, you know, it's, it's, it's a business. It's really running a business. So I think you just have, I think you have to be really clear with people too, on like your intentions and who you are. And that will, that will come through, right? If, yeah, if you just like, even with your family, if you can relate back to that, you know, even if that's, that's just their opinion, right? And you can, if you're just yourself and you just love what you do, then there's, there's nothing to hide. But if they're, yeah, if you are doing that kind of thing, like if you're doing that stuff and you don't feel confident in yourself and you know, you're lying to yourself, then it's going to be extremely obvious. And I'm sure we can all, find examples of that in our lives. No, I agree. You 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 brought up a really interesting point, Max, when you were saying and and you confirmed it Brandon with the comment that you just made where it's like, uh, you're right. Now, now that I think about this a little bit more when I think of McDonald's, when I think of Walmart, you're right. I don't picture one person. I do picture in that uh, I picture them as a corporation. I said basically I set up an expectation. This ties back to the other thing that you and I were talking about. But you're right because when an artist comes out, let's say it's Skrillex, you know what I mean? The expectation that is presented up front and no one corrects is that Skrillex is an artist. He makes his music, period. The the common listener doesn't go much deeper than that. The common listener isn't like, I wonder who Skrillex's tour manager is, or you know what I mean? And so when that expectation is broken, when they finally find out the truth, which is he has multiple managers, he has songwriters sometimes, so on and so forth, depending on the case-to-case basis, that it breaks that expectation. This actually makes a lot of sense now. I always want why people had such a hard time with it but you're right it, I, I believe it just comes down to that's such an interesting topic <clears throat> and i've learned about this early in the year it was expectation imagine if 
the world didn't have any expectation. That is where like when you're unsatisfied with someone, that's all because you have expectations. So let's say you're going on a date with someone and you have expectation that they're going to be an amazing person. They're going to be like the person you marry and you go on that date and they're not that. Your expectations are lost, but let's say they're still like an awesome person, but you like were expecting them to be something much more greater than that. Then you're inevitably as humans, we're not going to, we're not going to be satisfied with that person, even if they are decent. And the higher, if you drop all expectations in life and it's extremely hard to do, but if you, if you just go out and you have no expectations, like let's say you're going out for a party and you have no expectations whatsoever. Like you, you don't know who's playing. You don't even know what the party's going to be like. You're going to have the best time of your life. And I challenge people to, to try that. Just drop your expectations of anything. And you know, I guess relating back to the music side of things, like even with Skrillex, who, who really like, yeah, I guess as a fan, if you have expectations, but if he's just honest about it, yeah, that's true. Then, then I think it's, then I think it's a clear road and that, but I mean, like, because actually this was something that I, I had on my notes that I wanted to talk about and this fit in perfectly, but yeah, this is something we, that Wyatt and I talked about a few nights ago as well. Um, that's actually something that I, I had been struggling with was yeah, setting expectations and always being disappointed by them and whatnot. And we mm-hmm. came to the conclusion that you can only expect from yourself, but you can, and you can only hope that others are going to, you know, meet your expectations. Basically, you can only hope that others are going to do something and expect yourself to do something. You know what I mean? Right. And, um, but again, like I still set expectations, expectate, I still set expectations just because, um, I think we, we would, even though we get disappointed, we're going to get further in our goals if we do set expectations and if we don't. Because if we don't set expectations, then like, oh, it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, if today I do something, then something happens. And if not, then nothing will happen or, you know yeah. what I mean? No, hundred percent. And I think, I think it's very important to set expectations and set realistic expectations, but it's when you set outside your boundaries, when you get extremely disappointed. So let's say you release a track and you're like, oh, I'm expecting to get 30,000 plays on this song overnight and you're like, I don't know, like a very low-end artist. Like you've got 500 followers on SoundCloud and you you expect that, you're going to be extremely disappointed. You have to kind of set in your boundaries. I completely agree because I mean, I love that you said outside of your boundaries um, and, and what comes to my mind is outside of your authority. So like, for example, if uh, do they have counties in Canada? Uh, well, no. Is that, just, is that just a United States thing? I think so, yeah. Okay, let's, let's go by towns. We'll go by towns. I'm sure they have towns in Canada. (laughs) Um, So let's say the sheriff of one town has expectations of a sheriff of another town. The sheriff from town one does not have authority to tell what, what sheriff number two should do, correct? I mean, like that's federal law or state law. Anyways, the, the concept that I'm trying to state is this. So once you put the song out, all right, you, you created the song, you did everything. That's your authority. That's your reign. That's your, 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 your place of what you can do. Once it's out there, you can't force anyone to listen to your song. You can't tell Spotify or SoundCloud or YouTube, you need to play this song. That's outside of your control. So I think you're right. When we start setting goals or expectations that are outside of our authority, basically, you're setting yourself up to fail. I agree on that 100%. Because Max Max brought up a really interesting point. So a lot of people down in Panama, they're there. What, what was the term you used? Flaky? Uh, not not trustworthy? What was it? Yeah, just flaky. I mean, you know, they uncommitted, basically. They, they always say that they're going to do something. And mm. I'm not saying everybody does this, but a lot of people do. And so they always say like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for work, whether, like it be, yeah, whether it be for work, just like, you know, business relationships, friendships. Yeah. 
um, love relationships, you know, anything. It's always like, you know, oh, yeah, 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 I'll go, don't worry, and whatnot. Like, yeah. I promise. And their word just doesn't mean anything here. Yeah, man, you're talking about impe- impeccability with your word, right? Exactly. And it, it's such, that's also an interesting topic. I mean, we can touch on. Love to. And that's also a huge thing for like this year's growth has been being impeccable with your word. So, what you say you're going to do, your word is the only thing you have. And if you live by that, if you say something and you don't follow up with it, you've got nothing. You're absolutely nothing. And I've worked with artists before that they say they're going to do something and they won't do it. And it gets, I'm a three strike person. So, I mean, there's probably people that have a lot less strikes than I do, but I'll give you three strikes. If I, if you say, Hey, I'm going to get this artwork to you by Thursday and Friday rolls around and you don't have it to me, boom, you just, you just cross it off with me. Mm-hmm. I'm like very, very strict with this. And you have to honestly honor your word as like the most valuable thing you possibly can have. And as soon as you speak it out into the universe, it's, it, it is there and you have to, you almost have to do it. So I can, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's, it's a very hard topic. And you know, those people that aren't impeccable with their word, those people, I believe you shouldn't be working with and give them three strikes after that. It's like, you just have to, as much as cool, they might be a really great vocalist there. It's a business and we'll, we'll get back into that. Like you are a business and you have to, you have to be strong with your word and you have to be able to say no as well. I agree. I remember, uh, when I was, I was like 19 or something and my brother, uh, you know, I loved hanging out with my brother and everything. And I wanted, we wanted to go do something one day, right? He always struggled with this. He always flaked out exactly like what you're talking about. A lot of the business people down in, in Panama, that was him to a T. Like I loved hanging out with him, but I couldn't trust him to save my life. If he said that he was going to show up at three, he's going to show up at seven a week later. And was, how annoying is that? Yeah. Like, we always remember those people. They're the worst people to work with. They're so bad. Like why, why do we put ourselves through that? Exactly. I've, I've just started doing something. I've, um, I've been signing contracts with myself. So basically now, um, then in the last week I signed two contracts, I actually signed a contract saying that I wasn't going to take any more DJ gigs in Panama just because of that. Like it's always like running around trying to get paid and you know, there's no use for it. And it's always people flaking out or I go to a gig and then they're like, Oh no, finally, like, you know, the event got canceled or something. You just sold, you had like, you were selling out like 500 tickets. We sold 500 tickets and you just canceled the event. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. It doesn't matter. So I signed a contract with myself saying I wasn't going to accept any more gigs in Panama. And then um, I signed another contract saying that I was only going to give people two chances. If they flake out twice, I'm never. That's good, man. Yeah. You're a two strike person. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's good. I can put I think, I think that's really important, Maxim, just to like write those contracts. I've heard of that before. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're like writing it into existence. And I, I challenge people to do that as well. And you know, this music industry, that's one thing that really bothers me is how almost corrupt this music industry is and the the deeper you go the more people like they feel more entitled so they can they basically think they own you or whatever and they can make this decision but at the end, end of the day i believe 10 years from now if people like us start to rise through and there is a lot of artists that are coming through and if you're just honest and authentic i think we can like change the industry and make it a lot more real i agree I have a comment and I have a question. Um, Comment is, uh, going back to my brother, I remember we were having a really heart-to-heart conversation. I was like, really, exactly like what we're talking about right now. I was very honest about it, like how frustrating it was and everything. And this just came out and I'd never heard it before, but it just like came out and I was like, oh my gosh, like that's really deep. But it's like, if you can't trust someone with your word, with their word, what can you trust them with? You know what I mean? Literally, there's nothing else that you can trust someone with if you can't trust someone with their word. Man, your word is everything. 
everything. It is everything. And it's like, uh, yeah, it's those people that use that tool. They use like this very valuable tool and they, they like flop on it. Yeah. Like that, yeah, it blows my mind. But as long as you're not doing it, then then you're golden. And it, take, it takes years of practice, man, just to like exactly. get it. And it's good at this early age, we're able to do that. So here's a question for you guys. And following up with this is the same topic is basically what constitute uh, what constitutes as a strike for you guys or what constitute as a, as a flake? Because I have my personal definition, but I'd love to know what your guys' is. What, what, what makes you put the, the strike on that person? You know what I mean? They say they're going to do something mm-hmm. and they set a timeline. Mm-hmm. And also you, you're responsible for setting that timeline too. And they don't follow up with it. And they don't let you know too. That's a big so thing. let's say that's a big thing. If they don't let you know, you know, there's, there's times as well where um, actually personal example, I got invited to go boxing with one of my coworkers and she's like, okay, Wednesday this time. And I was like, okay, yes, I will be there. I'm telling you, I'm going to be there. Wednesday rolled around. I'm like, you know what? I honestly just can't make it. So I text her. I'm like, hey, you know what? Today's just not going to work out. I'll be honest with you. I just can't. It's just it's just not going to work. I apologize. And she's like, oh, you're a flake, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, mm, but I'm, I'm still letting you know that like, it's just physically not going to work today. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as, as long as you can be honest about it, but it's those people, and I have friends like this, somewhat friends, not really friends anymore, that you'll text them and you'll be like, hey, let's hang out at this time. And they're like, cool, perfect. Come over to my house. That time rolls around and you don't hear anything from them. And it's almost like they have this fear that they don't even want to be real with you. Yeah. They're like, they're afraid to be honest. And that's, I find that so interesting. Yeah. Oh, I, that's a flake in my opinion. I completely agree. And Max, I want to hear your thoughts in just a second. But like, I, I, I agree that you brought up a very, 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 very important point. You are not a flake if you let the person know. And I would say also if you if you reschedule as needed, you know what I mean? So for example, this is a perfect example because you did an amazing job with the podcast. We had it scheduled for one day, but then you're like, hey, uh, I can't do it this night. Can we do it on this day? Yes, we can. You are not a flake. You followed up in plenty of time. You told us so on and so forth. You know what I mean? And that was a, that was a very good thing for you to do. And you know, if you just wouldn't have showed up and still are not talking to me about it, you know what I mean? Then yes, that constitutes of like, but you're not. And then if you look from my perspective too, like if I were to do that to you and you, you would have been like trying to follow up with me and be like, Hey, Brandon, like, let's do this podcast. Like looking from my perspective, you're almost like kind of chasing me. Yep. And I feel really bad about that. Like, yep. that's not cool. You dude, you should not be, you should not be chasing like opportunity like that. I don't care how big the artist is. I don't, I don't believe it. I give it two strikes, man, two or three strikes. And if that artist doesn't, doesn't follow through, then yeah, I don't know. I would, why would you be taking advice from them? Anyway? Anyways, I agree. What What's your thoughts on this, Max? I basically have like, okay, so for my two strike policy is just like, yeah, if they, if they keep on rescheduling, but I mean like, yeah, if they, if, if they call me up and then they're like, yeah, like, you know, I can't make this or we, we can't do this event or we can't whatever um, on this date. I'm really sorry. Like this is what came up. Um, we really, you know, I really want to do this with you or whatever. Um, can we reschedule it for this date? You know, then I'll be like, okay, I understand, especially in this industry. That's fine. Yeah. That doesn't really count as a flake, but when they don't really get back to you, yeah, or they just kind of like forget about you, I guess, or whatever, you know, it's just like, then it's just like a one strike policy for me. Yeah. I mean, like flakiness, I think just comes from a lack of organization, you know? And Do you think it comes from a lack of care? I think it's both to be honest. But I think it's more organization, honestly. Yeah. And integrity. And I, think, I think integrity yeah. is so huge. Like basically everything we're talking about is integrity. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, the lack of organization technically is a lack of integrity. It's a lack of taking care of things. It's a lack of planning things out. And then it's also a lack of caring. It's a lack of, you know what I mean? 
All right. Okay. I just Googled the definition of integrity. Okay. Um, and it says the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Perfect. So it's a lack of integrity, I think. <laughs> so kind of like as an artist, what do you think, like, where do you think you are now in like in the, the circle of, of mm. whatever, the cycle of, of an artist? Like, where do you think yeah. you are now? What do you think your next step is? That's, I love that question. That's really good. So I think I'm still in the early stages of my career. Like as much as I've been DJing for a long, long time, this, this process of an artist takes like years and years and years. And some people think it takes like only a couple of years to get big. And I think we can all disagree on that. And at the current moment, I think, I think I'm a solid like three, three years into it of like solid music music production. So I'm like just breaking, breaking in. And there's still like some bigger artists that I used to look up to that now are like starting to communicate with me. So I'm, I'm getting to that level, but I think, and I, who was it? It was either Sam Matla or another podcast online that kind of broke it down into like, or was it grab? I don't know who it was. They broke it down into like the different stages of an artist. And I, I still think I'm at the bottom tier and you can base it all on like your shows that you're booking. I think that's, that's the biggest one is it's all about your shows. How many shows you're booking? How many people? know about you how many people are listening to your music and at this i'm really just starting to break in like i've got a lot of unreleased tracks that i'm gonna start putting out there and people are gonna start hearing my music and they'll be like hey man i really like your music not starting to come up um now for the few for a few years down the road that's also another really good question I mean, I have a lot coming down the tunnel as far as new music videos, a lot of new music. I think I have like five EPs ready for next year. Holy crap. Yeah. Like it's like all vocal EPs that are like, that are super, that are super banging that like I, I, I get chills from still. So I think those will be really good and I'll set up a schedule for releasing those, but Hold and I'll send them out first. But that's, I believe it goes in like a tipping point. Like you have to, you have to develop your foundation. You have to, and that's why I love Icon so much is they help you figure out who you are what is your foundation? What do you want to do? What impact do you want to create? What's your story? All this. You start with that and then you start to build on top of it. And right now I'm building the pillars. I'm building what genre of sound do I want to make? Like I know my sound. I know my brand. I know who I am as a person. I know what kind of impact I want to create on the industry. And I, and so you, if you start with that, then your music starts to come. Just over time, you'll start making music. And all of these songs that I made, I had no idea I was going to make. People just like, I started meeting people. I started working, like some demos came in. I was like, these are really good. Like I'll start working on this. And yeah, once once these go out, once you have music that's tangible on Spotify and all that, and people start hearing you, that's when they become real, like real fans. And there's, a, I have a lot of following, but really it's not original music. It's more just like mashups and all this stuff. And people are like, he's a sweet DJ, but now I want to be more of like an artist. So in the next year, I plan to have some hits come up. And so people can honestly like find me on Spotify and be like, I love this guy's music. Like I'd love to go see him play a show. I plan to book more shows. I hopefully plan to tour across Canada in the next year or so with festivals, depending on like manage, like a management situation. And then over like a two or three year period, I plan to have my clothing business up and running to the point where can basically do music full time and then tour in the next three years i'd love to be touring at least 150 days of the year that's my goal that's incredible like it's very specific very specific that's awesome you, so you brought up the concept of the uh of the basically the different tiers that artists fall into and so that's from that's from gravitas uh from uh, uh from jesse breda i believe i i think so um, but it's really, really helpful, especially, you know, to gauge a career. If, if eventually you do want to be the, 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 the touring DJ, the, the so-and-so, then yes, definitely basically off the, uh, the, uh, 
how would you say off the off the amount of shows that you're doing of course um but then you know like people i got a quick question just like for the for the people like me who haven't seen this interview or whatever where do we find it where did you guys oh oh for uh from jesse yeah oh that's a good question i think it's on their gravitas create page or maybe be on their youtube that's a good question for sure it it was interesting though how i feel like it wasn't gravitas so but they explained it based on like following too on like what kind of levels you're at like if you're like getting i don't know like a thousand plays on a song you're still in like the early stages like you haven't broken through but as soon as you're getting like ten thousand plays then you're starting to like get some traction people start hearing your name and you start booking shows management starts looking at you yeah i I don't know what that is but we'll we'll find it gotcha that makes sense and maybe we are talking about two different things i know that jesse breda did create something like that but but the concept is still there yeah where like you can kind of gauge yourself of where you are and when you find out where you are then you can set up basically appropriate goals within your own authority basically and you'll know like you'll personally just know where you are if like people are approaching you and they're sending you emails like hey I really want to book you like this. You're, you're just going to know, like you're, if you're playing a bunch of shows every year, like you're, you're on the uprise, you're, you're growing, but it's that breaking through step. I think this is the hardest part as an artist is like, I kind of look at it. Like, imagine you're just underneath the ice. Like you, there's a frozen lake, you're underneath this ice. And as like an artist, you're chiseling at it. You're like taking big stabs. You're like trying to break through, break through. And a lot of people will try to break through and they're like so close and they give up. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you're chiseling, you're chiseling. And as soon as you pop through that ice, you have to chisel a bit more, but like you're, you're basically, you've kind of made it. And then it's just how high do you want to go from there? How much do you want to grow this brand? How many, because once you have a good following, you can put out anything and people, it will just start to grow. Like I believe Getter is like a perfect example of that. And once he broke through, and once he had that massive following of like his studied following, <laughs> he, he can basically put out whatever he wants. He can put out, like his music's pretty cool. He can drop a merch line, people will buy it. He can drop weird music, people will buy it. What do you think? Um, I think it was Nightmare that did this, but instead of accepting shows, he spent like several years just inside um, the studio, basically working on music and releasing the music, but not accepting any show until like um, a year or two later. And so he just grew all of this tension. And then to a point where like he got like bigger festivals like um, Electric Zoo and whatnot, and he got the attention of a lot of people. And then he started doing shows. What, do you, what are your thoughts on, on that approach rather than... I think, I think it just comes down to patience on like how patient can you be? And for him, that was like, I think it was extremely strategic and he was confident enough to do that because there's some artists that aren't confident enough to do that. So they're like, Hey, I made three songs that were really, really good. I'm going to put these out right now and I'm going to try to book as many shows as possible. And I think we can all think of like a bunch of rap artists that did that. They're one hit wonders. But if you're confident enough, if your brand is a 10 year vision, then yeah, you can be patient and you can wait a year. And I think that's I think that's awesome because as long as you still have content coming out where you're keeping people interested and engaged and then yeah, go for like a final reveal. It's kind of like Daft Punk. Like they're a perfect example of this. They hardly ever come out, but I'm sure if they were to ever host a show and they were to do something in America where they're like, hey, we're doing this massive one-shot deal, people are going to buy tickets. I agree. A lot of tickets. And yeah, that, that patience, that patience definitely pays off. But as like 
from a business perspective, I think it's also important to, but now I guess Nightmare Now is booking a lot of shows. So he waited and now he's booking a ton. But if you're just to do like kind of like the Daft Punk mode where you like play a show like once every three years, I don't think that's very, I don't think that's very smart. No, I agree. <laughs> but, I, but I mean, like at one point when you're, when you're as big as Daft Punk, you know, like when they started off, I'm pretty sure that they were doing a lot of gigs and they were one of the first ones to, to kind of come out in the electronic dance scene and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it's kind of like they're like the tier guys, you know, okay. so they're yeah. like one of the first. So for them, I think like it's okay because it's like, but again, like, you know, at one point you get so big and so like as an artist, it's very hard to, to stay at the top, you know, to constantly be making music mm-hmm. once you're there. And as a human, you know, it's normal to want change and to not, you know, want something once you get there anymore, you know what I mean? Or like yeah. not be as... You know, once you get there, it's kind of just like, okay, sometimes you spent enough time working and enough time doing stuff. You're just like, and by the time you get there, you might even be old enough to be like, I want to start a family. I want it relaxing. And so, you know, one show every three years, big bang. And it, you know, it's a... Uh, yeah, I guess I guess that was yeah a little bit different. Like, I guess it wasn't the best example. But even for you, Maxim, like how you wrote the contract that you don't want to book any more shows. I think that's smart because... It takes a lot of self-discipline for yourself and it, it's just, it comes down to patience. And if you can do that and you can really, it almost kind of motivates you to be like, and I'm the same way. Like I told myself this year, I would not go to a single festival, not only because they're expensive, but also just because when I go to a festival, I get really irritated because I'm like, I could be at home right now making music and I could working towards getting up there. So it's almost like a punish. I punish myself, if you could call it that, to not to not go out and it motivates me to just be more patient. And I know, oh, who was it? Um, I can't think of, I can't think of who it was, but they did, they did a similar concept where... And it, yeah, if rather than spend your money on dumb stuff like that, just be patient. I love, so this, this concept that Max and I were talking about with this, with like basically building tension and everything, it's, it's an amazing concept inside of uh, any, any uh, avenue of business. It's called the red theory. And you probably know about this uh, as well. Anyways, the red theory states that don't think about the color red. If you tell people not to think about the color red, they will think about the color red, right? So if you say, uh, you know, if if you're like, I'm not going to play a show, well, all of a sudden people want you to play a show because that's all they can think about. You know what I mean? Especially if you're a, a hot topic. Uh, so I don't know if he still doesn't do this, but Black Mill was a very good uh, example of this where he made this music. He had quite a, you know, solid following, you know, then a very devout following, but he would never perform ever. I, I don't know if that's still true, but he, he wouldn't perform. And so he was one of the most sought out artists to come perform at that point. And so basically, I, I guess at that point, festivals were banging down his door being like, we will pay you, duh, 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 even though they would be his first show. Does that make sense? And so depending on you, who you are, whether you like to perform, uh, your strategy, so on and so forth, could be a good idea. It could you know, not be a good idea, but I feel like all of us could incorporate the red theory as much as possible to create desire for our fans to want our music, to buy our merch or so on and so forth. Yeah. I guess supply and demand really. Exactly. If you've, yeah, if you didn't, yeah, if there's a lot of demand and I think that's, I think that's really cool too. You know, even like when there's your favorite artist that comes to town and they, they come like once a year and you're like, Oh, I have to go to the show. Like I love them so much, but if they ever come like five times a year, you'd be like, Oh, I've seen them like twice this year. Eh, it's like, 
Yep. It's like mediocre. Yeah. So the, the, the question is this, or it's basically to give you a scenario, you go through your life, you've enjoyed your life, you've lived a successful uh, brand in life, right? And you're on your deathbed at this point. And so you look over to your son and you want to pass the knowledge on that you have to him, but you can only do it in uh, a, a concept. You can, that's all you can give to him. One concept, whether it's a word, a phrase, a couple of sentences, whatever it is, what is that for you to give? Do what makes you happy and you will be successful. Dab, dab, I'm out. Our life is very short. And if you follow with your heart and you do what makes you happy, anytime, like how many times when you're smiling, you're having fun. So if you're happy doing what you love, you're never working, you're just living. And I think that's that's so important. And success comes from just being happy. The, the happier you are, the more successful. I don't, I don't care how much money you have. If you've got a ton of money and you're not happy, you're not successful. So follow, follow with your heart. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I got to head out right now, but this was this was amazing. I really, really appreciate you too. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, Don Nation. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Daw with White Light. Hopefully we were able to help you understand the business side a little bit deeper, help you get intrigued with it so that you're not afraid of it, so you're ready to tackle that side of the music industry. Um, if you are interested in those links that I talked about in the description, those links are for the Patreon, giving suggestions for artists to come on the show, and for private lessons. If you're interested in any of those, go ahead, click on the links. You don't even have to follow through. If you just want to check them out, go ahead and check them out. That's totally fine. Go ahead and click on them. Uh, Again, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're partaking of this, you know, whether it's on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, you know, wherever you're partaking of it, it just helps us know that what we're doing is legitimate and that we're on the right path of what you need in this podcast. So finally, the last thing, make sure to check out the next episode of Behind the Dog. That is episode 8.5 with White Light, where he's breaking down the song that's playing right now and that played in the intro. It's called Happy Hour. He's going to break it down. Uh, You can either listen to it on episode 8.5 or you can watch it on YouTube so you can see everything in real time. Go ahead, go over to YouTube, type in white light in the DAW. Should be the first thing that pops up. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind the DAW. We'll catch you next time. All right. Hey, DAW Nation, you have a fantastic day. All right. We'll talk to you later.